ButcherBox makes it easy and convenient to get the highest quality grass-fed, grass-finished beef, organic free-range chicken, heritage breed pork, and wild-caught seafood without any antibiotics or added hormones delivered straight to your door. For me, I love their ribeye steak with a smoke and reverse sear, their tender belly bacon, which is some of the best uncured bacon on planet Earth. ButcherBox partners with people, small farmers included, that treat their animals in the best possible way and never give any added antibiotics or hormones. When you join, you choose your box and delivery frequency. You can cancel at any time without any penalty, and ButcherBox delivers amazing and fresh meat right to your door in a 100% recyclable box. For a limited time only, get free chicken nuggets for a year and 10% off your first box when you sign up today and use the code WP. That's a 22-ounce bag of gluten-free organic chicken nuggets in every order for a year when you sign up at butcherbox.com forward slash WP and use the code WP. Welcome to Western Contours Podcast, sharing experiences, providing insight, and looking for solutions to become better hunters. We talk gear, on and off season preparation, tips and tactics, conservation, and finding inspiration in the outdoors as sportsmen and women. Thank you for joining us as we share our love for all things Western hunting. Hey guys, this week I sit down with Jordan Lee of Relentless Guides out of Utah. We get into his mule deer obsession, packing in on horses, the Utah outlook, and his guide service. Enjoy the episode. So we're on with Jordan Lee of Relentless Guides out of Utah. Jordan, good evening, man. I appreciate you sitting down with me. Oh, thanks for having me on. Absolutely. I appreciate it. So why don't we jump right in, man? Give us uh, some background and tell us a little bit about yourself. I'm uh, Jordan Lee, and I've lived in Utah almost my whole life. I'm 28 years old and have a wife and two kids, and I'm an avid hunter and love being outdoors as much as I can, and I uh, I just love it. I can't get enough of it. It doesn't matter if it's – even in the winter, I've got to try to find something to do. So I go run lions with my buddies, and we do all kinds of stuff almost year-round. I'm sure my wife gets a little sick of me sometimes but it it's something that i i'm real passionate about and have always just wanted to be out there so it doesn't that year-round pursuit man is uh it's almost a necessity right i mean to be out there year-round if not it uh i don't know like right now i haven't been been out much i got a weekend of scouting in and man i'm just I'm anxious and sometimes grumpy and angry. <laughs> it's something else, man, without it. Oh, yeah, I I definitely hear you. It's there's been a couple months in, in between like lions and bears that there's not much going on and you know, it's too early to go scout and then you sit around and twiddle your thumbs, but lately I've been I've been starting to pound it pretty hard. The snow's melting off, so we've been getting trail cams out and getting ready for the upcoming season. So it's been good. 
so where did it all start, man? That outdoor pursuit, <clears throat> that passion? Well, I think, you know, my dad, he used to take me out when I was, I, I, the earliest I can remember is probably six or seven. And he used to take me out on spike elk hunts here in Utah on the, the spike only, um, hunts. And ever since then, I mean, it's always just been going and going and going. And then as I got a little older, you know, things, things progressed into, I shot my first deer in Idaho when I was 12. It was my first hunt. And ever since then, honestly, I've loved mule deer. That is probably the thing I'm the most passionate about is hunting mule deer. I just, they're these big, especially the big bucks. I mean, they, they're almost like ghosts and it takes a lot to find one and kill one. And I, I love the challenge of it. And that's honestly what keeps me going most of the time. So it's been good. But yeah, just from a young age, I mean, I've, I've gone, gone everywhere. I've gone out with my dad and my uncles and, uh, had a lot of good times and they've taught me a lot. And you've hunted, you've hunted quite a bit, uh, of the Western states, huh? Yeah, I've hunted in, I've hunted in Utah, Colorado, Wyoming, and Idaho. And I've been looking into doing a hunt down in Arizona for coos deer. I think that would be pretty sweet, but I don't know if I'll have time now. Yeah, that's kind of the, uh, the sacrifice, right? That, that you yeah. make when you, when you pursue, uh, that passion and, and try and make that, uh, a way to pay the bills and take care of the family, man. It's uh, I don't know if we realize what kind of trade off that is. Yeah. Oh, it, it definitely. And I'm, I'm willing to, to give up, you know, quite a bit of my time to pursue my dreams. And I just, I, it's something I have to do that I've told myself that I've always had to do. So it's, it's, uh, the drive's definitely there to do it. And, um, I've, like I said, I, I just love it. I can't get enough of it. It doesn't matter what time of year it is, uh, how cold it is, how hot it is. It's something that I just have to do. Definitely know that feeling, man. Yeah. So how about the family, man? What do you, you got a couple kids and the wife there. Are they getting out with you? How old are the kids? Yeah, my oldest, he just, uh, he's nine and my youngest is seven and they go out. My, they love going and checking trail cams with me and picking up sheds and we do an annual trip out to Colorado shed hunting and my oldest got to come on this one and he loved it, found his first shed and he thought that was pretty sweet. And it actually was a, it was a decent shed, decent deer. It wasn't a monster, but he loved every second of it. He's already talking about going back. That's nice. What's what's the uh, youth hunter age? When when can they start there in Utah? Uh, it was fourteen. They changed it to twelve a couple of years ago. So he's getting he's getting pretty close to being able to go. And uh, yeah, my wife goes too. She shot a she shot a pretty good deer here in Utah on a general season tag this year. She 
she's not sure about how much fun she had because I get pretty intense sometimes. <laughs> but, but yeah, she she killed a pretty good deer. And she's been after it her whole life, or is that something you introduced her to? Or <clears throat> no, she's uh, she's been hunting pretty much her whole life. Just her dad. And she, when we got married, she didn't hunt quite as much, but the past few years, she's been doing a lot more hunting and going out with me and um, on general hunts. I try to split the years up so that I'll get a tag one year here in Utah and then she'll get a tag here in Utah. So every other year, so I can focus on her. So yeah, I focus on, on try to focus on her hunts and uh, on years that I don't have a tag here in Utah. And that way I can try to get her something half decent or something that she'll be happy with, I should say. And then the next year I'll have a, my own general tag here in Utah and uh, then I can focus on my hunts. So that's kind of how I've been trying to play it. So that's probably where some of that uh, you're not sure or she's not sure if she had too much fun comes from, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That tagless season, as much as we enjoy sharing it and, and getting somebody else on something, man, that tagless season is, that is a hard task, man. <laughs> you're a big well, man. <laughs> that, that was just here in Utah. I had, I had last year, I hunted in Wyoming and Colorado too. So I can't say that I didn't have any tags. I mean, I, I did I did pretty good last year too, so I got pretty lucky on a couple couple real nice bucks. Well let's hear it, man. Let's hear that twenty eighteen because I was going into it. So So my my twenty eighteen season, um my first hunt was in Wyoming and it was um uh it started in September, the middle of September, which I really like that mid September hunt that they have. It's it's not too cold. Sometimes it's a little hot, but for the most part, it's not too bad. But uh, we pack in on horses about 10 miles, and then uh, we do we kind of hike from there. And I ended up killing a uh, 31 and a half or 30 and a half inch three by four. So it was a that was a pretty good buck, and I. I was trying to, we'd seen a couple other pretty big bucks that we were trying to get, but it just, it wasn't panning out how we thought. And I, the deer I ended up killing, I passed him two days in a row. And then the third day I couldn't take it anymore. <laughs> and he was, he was basically laying in the same spot every time we saw him. And finally I just, I couldn't take it. So, so we went over there and put a stock on him and, Got to uh, 401 yards, and I shot and hit him right in the heart, and he kind of got up a little bit out of his bed and then just tipped over, and it was it was pretty awesome. It's my, it's my widest buck that I've killed so far. And, uh, yeah, that was my – my dad and my uncle were on that hunt too, and my dad, he killed a uh, – oh, I think it was a – it's a 27 inch four by four and my uncle killed a 180 inch four point. And so we had, we had a pretty good time up there. It's always fun. And, uh, 
then let's see. I went to, I came back home to Utah, had a week break and then went right back up on the mountain here in Utah for the spike only hunt. And it's, it's honestly one of my favorite hunts here in Utah. Cause it's a lot of my buddies go and we just kind of, it's more of a relaxed hunt. You're not out there trying to find some giant bull or giant buck. And, um, cause you can only basically shoot one thing. So we, uh, that hunt, it, that snowed early here in Utah and it was, it was a pretty miserable hunt. I mean, it was 10 degrees in a blizzard. You could hunt basically for an hour or two in the mornings. And then after that, it was, it would just sock in so bad that you couldn't see. And it made it pretty miserable. And we were just staying in tents and luckily none of us froze to death and we got out of there. But I ended up on the last day we were hunting, it cleared up. And it was one of the most beautiful mornings I'd ever seen. There was snow and I ended up shooting a spike um, right above this reservoir. And uh, the picture, the picture's pretty awesome. It's one of my favorite pictures from this last year. And it, uh, it's just, an, it was an awesome time. It ended up turning out really good. And then I had the Utah deer hunt and that was just a general season hunt and uh my whole family it's kind of a family hunt and there's a we killed we killed six bucks um and the they were all all pretty good bucks um ranging from you know 150 to 170 and uh that was the hunt my wife killed her deer on and the snow the snow was tough then still we it had uh gotten hot and then cooled way off so the snow was real crunchy but oh she killed her deer on the opening morning of the hunt and it was it was a good time we had a lot of fun on that hunt and my dad ended up shooting a four by five my brother shot a real heavy one of the heaviest deer i've seen three by four and i have that one on trail cam um, my wife's deer i had scouted through through the summer and had seen it i never got any trail cam pictures of it but i had seen it on um seen it when i was just out scouting and doing some glassing and i took some pictures of it on my phone scope but uh we had we had a good a good hunt here in Utah for sure, and then then uh, it was another week break, and I went out to Colorado, and that third hunt, third rifle, is the hunt we hunt, and it is a uh, it's one of my favorite hunts. I I've hunted there a few times, and this year I decided I was just going to hold out for something that I. I just really liked something really unique or just something that was huge. And I had, I had, uh, I had passed on a bunch of bucks and it was getting towards the end of the hunt. And I was like, well, maybe we'll see something next few days. And with luck have it the next, the next afternoon. So I, uh, 
a 28 inch, 28 and a half inch wide four by four and went up the hill and put the stock on him. And I think we got to within 500 yards and shot and he dropped and that was the end of it. And it was a short drag down to the hill, down to the truck. And that was it. And it was a, that was a fun hunt. And so I got pretty lucky. I ended up killing a cow, a cow elk too, a little later, about a month later. And that one was actually at work because we had permission to hunt the private property or working on. There's been elk hanging out there every year. So we decided to buy some tags and get a little more meat for the freezer. That's basically what we live off of is deer and elk. And it's a good thing because I really love getting them. That, so that's a full freezer, man. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, it's it it is a full freezer. It's been pretty full, but we're starting to get low. I mean, we I'm serious. We probably eat elk, elk and deer. I'll bet you four or five times a week. No, no, I I love it. I mean, it's some of the best there is some of the most expensive meat there is yeah, but that's it man. it's good well, that's what yeah know, that's always that thing right you know everybody oh i harvest my own meat yeah well pound for pound <laughs> yeah that's, it's probably 40 bucks a pound for a lot of us oh at least you start adding in horses and tack and all your other gear and it's it gets pretty pricey but it's definitely worth it i wouldn't trade it for anything here we go. I'm going to go cliche on us, but that, that connection to it makes that $40 a pound. So worth it, man. I mean, it's, it's nothing like it. Oh, absolutely. The, the story when you're eating it is part of the, the best part. I think, you know, I look at my boys and they'll ask me every night where it came from and I get to tell them what happened in the story. Even if they've heard it six or seven times, they love hearing it every time. And that's part of the, part of it. I guess it's part of the, probably the best part of it. Honestly, it really, really drives me too. So it's, it's one of my favorite things. Cellophane and foam and steaks. They don't, they don't have that meaning, you know? Oh, yeah. They don't have Absolutely. that meaning, man. Especially to be able nope. to, you know, you're providing that. And and I know for me, I can't, if I eat, you know, and we do when, when you know, when I kill something, but, man, four or five, four or five nights a week, and now you're talking just, just getting down to close to empty, man. We're chomping at season. So to have that year full of food for the family, man, that, uh, yeah, that's huge. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's, it's been nice. It definitely has, has been nice for sure. So with all that, with all that hunting, man, you got, uh, we'll call it, you know, I don't know, an inside track, maybe. Um, the story is pretty cool to me. Um, you know, talk about relentless guides, man. And that's your guide service there in Utah and, uh, how it came about. Um, is what I want to hear about first, man. You're, you know, you're chasing a dream. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, I've always, you know, I think everybody's kind of thought, you know, how can I make money doing this? And, you know, I, I certainly have, I've, I've thought about it a lot over the years. I mean, tons, you know, and you know, when I got 
married, I always told my wife, I've been married for almost 10 years and told her that, you know, I'm one of these days, I'm going to, I'm going to be a guide, a guide, and then turn myself into an outfitter. And, you know, finally this year it's, it snowed a ton here in Utah and things got pretty slow with work and I ended up getting laid off, unfortunately, but, uh, getting laid off was actually a blessing because I, it, it, drove me enough to where I was like, all right, I'm doing this. I'm going to get my guide license. I'm doing it. I'm going to take the test. I'm going to get it all done. And then I'm going to, I'm just going to go for it. And so I've, that's what I've done. I've just, I, I got my test done. I got an outfitter signed me off after I did my hours. And, uh, I just have been going as hard as I can after it. You know, that's, so I started relentless guides. I thought, you know, as many people as I can get to want to go hunting with me, it's not going to matter what outfitter they call. They'll, they'll ask for me. And that's, that's kind of how I'm going about it. And, you know, I've been, I've been just flat out cold calling outfitters. I've been, I've been emailing outfitters. I've been just anyone I can think of. I just try to try to talk to them because I, I seriously, I, something I want. It's almost as much as I can breathe. And I know that's been said before, but I, I honestly mean that it's something that I'm seriously so passionate about that I, I mean, I stay awake at night sometimes thinking about it. And, and when I'm at work right now, I think about it all day long, how I can get out of, out of doing construction and do what I love doing. And, you know, and I'm willing to sacrifice some of my own hunting and my own tags to go out there and make somebody else's dream happen with being able to harvest, you know, what, what they think is their, their lifetime elk or their lifetime buck or, I mean, anything. And I, and I've told anybody I've talked to, I'm willing to go anywhere. And I promise I will work as hard as I possibly can to get, to have people have success. And I, that's something that I think my dad has really instilled in me that I need to, uh, no matter what you do to do it your best. And that's, that's something that I've tried to teach my boys, but it's something that's really worked for me and that's what I'm trying to do. So this is my first year and, you know, things are a little slow, but they're starting to get better and better as we get closer to the season. So things are starting to pick up a little bit and I've had some help from, uh, Sean Ward, and I know he's been on your podcast before. My buddy Sean. He's, yeah, he's he's been a really a really great great guy. He's a he's a good dude, and he's helped me out quite a bit, and um, got my name out there a little bit more. Helped me and the with his treading timber and stuff, his Instagram page, and so yeah, it's it's starting to pick up a little bit, and I'm starting to hear from other people and talk to people on Instagram, people message me and you know, a lot of it is, is for next year. Cause people don't know that Utah, you have to apply by a certain date. And if you miss that date, well, you're, you're pretty much done unless you want to hunt a spike elk or a cow, the, you know, the deer, the deer, you can get some over the counter tags, but they're super, super tough hunts with lots of people. And, uh, I mean, they have some, any bull units, but it's the same thing. They, 
there's a lot of people that do it and the success rate is pretty low for those hunts. So yeah, that's, that's pretty much the dream right there is, is just being able to provide for my family, doing something that I love doing and just making it work, doing whatever I have to do. So, so why guiding though? Right. I mean, you think about, you think about most folks and I'm making an assumption when I say most folks think about, you know, wanting to hunt, um, for a living. Right. I, and I don't know, is guiding where most people, you know, start thinking of that. Um, and then there has to be something in taking someone and having them fulfill, like you said, uh, you know, their, their air quote, um, trophy animal, right. Or helping them kill their trophy animal. But why guide right. what, you know, what, what sparked that in you? Um, you know, over the years I've, I've taken some buddies out that have have never hunted before and, you know, just going out and doing some spy hunts or some deer hunts and just having a good time. And honestly, I get a lot of, a lot of self gratitude, I guess, from, from seeing them harvest something and their excitement. And, you know, I've got one buddy that he shakes so bad every time he sees a deer in his scope that it's, it's comical. It's pretty funny. And I, I just, I love seeing that in people and seeing elk, even, even with my wife, I've taken her out cause she had never, never had a, a big bull, you know, called in right into her face. And it was awesome. It came in just screaming. I was up the hill a little bit. It came in. And even that, I mean, her eyes were huge. She turned around and looked at me and couldn't believe it. And just, just things like that is just, is what it makes, what makes it, you know, fun for me. Plus, plus just being outside and, and doing what I love doing. I, you know, some people think, oh, they can get a hunting TV show. Well, that's, that's real slim chances of that ever happening. <laughs> you were biting your tongue there a little bit, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 There's it, just, you know, and if, and if, and if that's your dream is to be on a hunting TV show, then, you know, go for it. But chances are, it's just not going to happen, you know? And, uh, so guiding, guiding, I thought, you know, guiding, I can, I can make some money. I can do what I love doing and I can have fun. And, you know, I, that's basically, basically where it came from was just taking out buddies and going hunting with friends and that had never hunted before. And, you know, seeing the look in my wife's eyes when that bull came in and my kids when the bulls come in or anything like that, it's, it's just unbelievable that people, that's why I, you know, I don't understand anti-hunters because if they had a screaming bull right in their face, they'd get it. <laughs> and I believe that a hundred percent. I would agree to a point because there's some that ain't, I don't care if you, you know, hang them upside down by their, by the short hairs, man, they just not gonna, not gonna change that, uh, that single-sided opinion there, man. Won't even look at it. Yeah. You're probably right. But I hear you, man, because there's nothing, there's absolutely nothing like it. Oh, no. I mean, it's, you hear that mountain just start blowing up for the first time, first light, and 
it's it's incredible it's something else to see and seeing here and then you know even the mule deer right you start seeing all these these giant bucks come out of nowhere that you've never seen before you don't know where they've been and it's just it's something else to see just hundreds of deer and they're rutting hard and you get to see them for once even though you know you've been hunting all all fall and haven't seen anything like it and then all of a sudden here comes this buck and it's a monster it's it's incredible so I, we kind of glassed over it man but you were talking about your uh your wyoming trip man and wyoming seemed to uh go off last year with the big mule deer man there was uh some phenomenal phenomenal animals taken last year out of wyoming yeah yeah there's there's some big bucks up there in wyoming and i've i've hunted a few different units up there and you know i haven't really been disappointed with any of the units i've hunted there's been some you know everybody wants to hunt g g's the top unit but it takes about six points to dry out if you're a non-resident and I don't know if you're like me, but I, I don't care to wait six years to draw. So I try to look for some other units and that take maybe one or two or maybe zero points. And, and the, the key in Wyoming is to get away from all the people. If you can find a way to get away from the people, you'll have a lot better success. And, you know, I, like I said, I have, I mentioned I have horses and that's one benefit and I can get away from people and, and uh i i've hunted wyoming since oh 2010 on and off 2009 now 2010 and i've i think every year i've gone i've i've been pretty successful i don't think i've ever not harvested a deer and some of those deer have been been awesome i've killed i've killed deer from 170 to the mid 180s um killed bucks with cheaters i've killed you know that what my widest buck killed that one last year like i said and uh it's been it's been fun up there in wyoming it's i i really enjoy so it's it's a good place to hunt for sure oh yeah i'm i'm curious to see what comes out of wyoming this year man with uh with this weather we've had it's been nice and wet and it hasn't got you know too hot anywhere um you know on a consistent basis so i'm i'm really curious to see what uh i mean not just in wyoming but everywhere uh to see how this year pans out man i making an assumption but i'm sure it's going to be a good year man oh i'm i'm betting it's going to be a great year there's i'm sure there's going to be some real some studs come out of wyoming this year for sure I mean, just, I mean, it seems like every every year there is, but yeah, I think this one's going to be a this might be a record book season. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. The, some of the growth already. Um, I mean, with the elk and the mule deer um, that I've seen is just insane, insane. Yeah, yeah. There's I've seen some some good ones here in Utah that have already already been. Um, growing out quite a bit and they're heavy and they look healthy and i and even on instagram some of the ones i'm seeing it's like this year's gonna be good i'm glad i'm glad i have the 
a Utah general season tag instead of my wife this year. Cause I think it's going to be pretty good. <laughs> I'm trying to think I should look. I think that picture was out of Utah. There was a picture somebody posted in the last day or so. And, uh, there was a, there's a mule deer buck still in velvet and he had, and I'm probably exaggerating right as we do, but he has to be every bit of, I'm going to say 30, maybe 32 inches tall. And his spread is probably an inch and a half. And this thing is just, I mean, the tallest, freakiest looking buck I've ever seen. I think I, I think I saw a deer on Instagram from last year that looked pretty similar to that one. But I, they probably have already found him. It wouldn't surprise me one bit. He's probably even freakier now than he was last year. Yeah, it was just a neat looking buck, man. I don't know why I thought. Yeah. Why I uh, thought I saw it on saw it it coming out of Utah, but I think that's where it was. But just yeah, some amazing animals, man, this year. Oh yeah, and the elk too. I've seen some elk that have put on some good growth already. Yeah, showing so it, it's showing six already on some of them. Oh yeah, yeah. I got one on trail cam. It's a five. I mean, he's not a monster by any means, but he's. I've seen some other ones, you know, that were already about a month ago. Well, yeah, it was about first of June that were already out to their force. So I'm sure they're they've already got their six starting. So and another yeah, call it another thirty days of growth. Actually, what are we on? Yeah, yeah, at least another thirty days. Yeah, about thirty days, and they're they're pretty much done. It's pretty incredible to think about how fast elk grow and how big they get. I mean, it's it's pretty awesome. And that's uh that is my absolute obsession. Uh, currently, it is just I don't know that <sighs> I'm always at a loss of words for them, man. There's just something about it. it. It's yeah. I keep saying it's almost embarrassing as much as I obsess about them and think about them and you know just prepping for hunts and oh man. I, I'm I'm right there. It's probably borderline obsessive. I think my my wife probably gets sick of me talking about it, but she's she's been nice enough to not say anything to me about me rambling on about hunting and what I'm gonna do and where I'm going and what I'm looking forward to and all that stuff. So it's she's she's a good one. <laughs> I, I know exactly uh, what you're saying, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They just they just entertain us to a point, right? It's just like, oh, oh yeah. Here we go with this again. <laughs> yeah. And it never it never ends. And she she likes to say that she's a hunting widow. But I get I get pretty obsessive. Oh, I'm uh, you're not alone though, and I think it's most of us. My wife, my wife uh, shot me a text. I think that was over the weekend, and uh, her and my daughter are planning. They want to you know take a vacation, and I I can't do the tropical thing unless I can hunt. I just don't. It, it's just pointless for me to spend the money, right? I'm like, look, if you want me to go somewhere, then let's figure out somewhere I can get a two, three day hunt in. You know, <laughs> yeah. Want to go to Hawaii? I'm, I'm all for it. I'll take my bow. I'll, I'll chase some axes. 
Um, yeah. So anyhow, they're they're planning a hunt, and uh, I thought it was pretty cool. And it tells you about the caliber of woman I have. And she says, uh, wanted to know what your hunt itinerary is. Um, what did she say specifically for the month of September? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so, yeah, I think I saw that. And you crossed out all of September. Yeah, I just put a yeah. line through September. Here you go. <laughs> yeah. And and her reply, I didn't post her reply. And she's, what did she tell me after that? She goes, so, so a trip to Hawaii for me and Tay is pretty much out of the question in September. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, that's good. Sounds like a keeper then. Heck yeah, man. Heck yeah. Especially yeah. because she doesn't hunt, right? I mean, she, she will eat it and, you know, process and help me do all that, but she, she doesn't hunt. She doesn't have a desire to. Um, uh-huh. So, so to be as patient as she is um, in dealing with it and it's a daily thing. I mean, with the podcast is one, right. But just the daily obsessing over it. Yeah. It's, uh, right. Pretty solid, man. Pretty solid. Yeah. Yeah. You no, know, that's good. Yeah. There's guys. As long as she's, a, she'll, she's good with eating it and stuff, yeah. you can't beat that. No, not at all. There's a lot of guys, so, man, that their wives don't want to, you know, they don't want to hear it. They don't want to entertain it. Oh, yeah. I've got some buddies like that. Yeah, that's uh, Can't even imagine. Yeah. Yep. So just going after it, man, just getting after it and doing the guide thing. Um, a little bit risky, but I, I guess you have to pursue that, that beckoning. Yeah. I mean, I, I just, I have something I, I just have to do, you know, I might, I might fail, but I, I doubt that I give up after the, you know, five or six times of failing and it's not going to matter all that much. But as long as I give it my full effort and do the absolute best I can, that's, that's all that anybody can really ask. And that's all I can ask myself. So that's, that's basically what I'm doing. Like I said, you know, I've just been cold calling, um, outfitters and emailing outfitters. And, you know, there's some that, there's some that are nice enough that they'll reply back and say, oh, we're full or, you know, or some that'll send you, say, send me some pictures. And there's some that just won't even flat out reply to you. And, you know, there's some that are, some that are pretty arrogant. I've come to find out that I just decided I don't want to do, if that's how you're going to be, then I don't want to do anything for you anyway. So I've just been just getting after it. You know, I've talked to, like I said, I've, Sean Ward, he's helped me out. And I've talked to uh, J&J Outfitters here in Utah. And they hunt here in Utah and Wyoming. And they've got some stuff lined up for me. So I'm grateful for those guys and hoping that I can get a few more. And, um, you know, Utah Big Game Outfitters, they've been pretty nice to work with me. And they're trying to get me something lined up. So it's it's starting to pick up a little bit i from what i've been hearing is guys will go out and try to find that have drawn they'll try to go out and find you know what they're after and when they can't find it then they start calling outfitters so so i'm hoping it gets busier so how does that there's a few things that i want to touch on with that so 
I guess first off, man, Sean Ward, I, I got to say something about that dude has the biggest heart, man. That's a good dude right there. I have I have all the respect, admiration, and love for that man as, as any man could have in the world. Um, that is a solid individual, man. Oh, yeah. Yeah, He's he's been great. He's been, I mean, fantastic. He's called me, called me, and we've talked for, you know, at midnight, and he's been, he's been awesome. You know, I talk to him on Instagram all the time, and he's helped me out a ton. So I, I really appreciate him. He's a, he's a good dude. Yeah, he really is, man. That, that dude has, has one of the biggest hearts, man, you'll ever, you ever come across. Yeah. And that, that hunt, hunt he's helping out with, um, oh, what? Tate Hall, is that his name? Oh, with Tate, yeah. 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 That's, I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. That's, I that's mean, that's pretty cool, honey's doing. Yeah. I mean, to consider, you know, that's his livelihood, right? And, and to say at no cost, you know, I, I don't know what, what Sean's charging, but I'm going to assume that a hunt like that has got to be in the neighborhood of five, four to five, six thousand, right? So for a guy to lay that down and basically just put it out there, you know, and say, Hey, you know, if you're, if you're, um, if you have a disability or if you're a vet, you know, please reach out to me. I'd like to take somebody on this hunt, on a hunt. I mean, that, that yeah. is phenomenal, dude. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's pretty awesome that he's willing to do that. And, you know, he's, he's asked me if I wanted to go help on it and I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it, but that would be something that would be pretty cool to go help on. So yeah, I, Sean Ward, I can't say enough good things about him. He's a, he's a hell of a guy. All right. We'll deflate his head and get off of him real quick. <laughs> so, <laughs> how, <laughs> so how does that work, man? So, so there in Utah, you, <clears throat> excuse me, as a guide, you have to be, you have to be uh, requested or outfitter has to reach out to you. You can't, uh, you can't just get clients directly or. Yeah, you can get clients directly and then have them go through an outfitter. And, uh, if it's on, if you're on private property, you, you nece don't necessarily have to have a license, a guide license, but you know, it's, I think it's best if you do have one for the most part. And, uh, yeah, so you just, that most people are going to go straight to outfitters. So that's kind of what I'm trying to do is just get my name out there enough to where it's like, well, I want to go hunt with that guy. And then no matter what outfitter they talk to, you know, you have Jordan Lee on your staff or that's basically my idea of trying to get more people to want to hunt with me, which means I'm going to be hunting more is, is my way of going about it. And, yeah, and I could be completely wrong and it won't work, but that's, that's my thinking. So, yeah, so mo most people go to out straight to outfitters and uh, then they book their hunts through them and then the outfitter gets the guides lined up on their hunts. And so that's is that, how that so works. When you go through the outfitter, is that, <clears throat> is it specific to a area of land, be it public or private that you've been working or that they have or? Um, it's, it can be just specific, but you know, it, it can be all over the state and it doesn't necessarily have to be where like, I'm, I'm really familiar with the Manti and that's kind of what I've been advertising is 
the Manti here in Utah. You know, I've hunted it my whole life. And, but like I said, I'm willing to go other places. And for J&J Outfitters, I'm going to be going up north. And, uh, you know, I think I think just knowing what I know, I'm I'm pretty positive that I can find elk or deer in just about anywhere. So, and just the experiences I've, I've had through hunting and things like that and hunting in all these different states and different terrains and being able to just find deer and find elk. And so that's, you pretty much can go anywhere, um, wherever the outfitter is. And there's a lot of, I don't know if you're familiar with the CWMUs here in Utah. So it's private land that, and the state gives them tags and then they sell the tags or you can draw out those tags. And a lot of outfitters have those. So that's another way. That's another way if guys, if guys just want to hunt out here in, in Utah and, you know, don't have the points to draw, they can look into something like that, a CWMU and trying to find a, uh, a license that way. If that'll what what if you don't mind what is the CWMU because I have no idea. Oh, it's a cooperative for wildlife management unit. I believe I might be butchering that, but I'm pretty sure that's what it is. So it's just a landowner tag for management yeah. is what it is. Okay, basically, yep. Yeah, and there's there's some pretty good ones here in Utah. I mean, there's a couple here on the Manti. And if you have a Manti tag, um, you can't hunt those units. You can just hunt on the Manti. So the CWMU is just kind of their own little units. Nothing wrong with uh, getting on some of them private land units, man. That sucker, when they, when public's getting pressure, that's where, <laughs> that's where it's going. Oh, ab- absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And... I agree with that a hundred percent and there's, there's nothing wrong with it. You know, if you, if you can get on some of those private ranches and, and hunt those, then I mean, there's a good chance you're going to see a ton of game and, and be pretty successful. So, and I, you know, if you're out of state and you absolutely want to be successful, that's something that I would definitely look into. So, okay. So that brings me into something, right? So, Social media, blah, 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 right? There's a, <clears throat> excuse me, there is a stigma, if you will, um, that that guys carry, right? Because they went on a private land hunt or, you know, they went on a guided hunt, on an outfitted hunt. There's kind of this negative stigma that goes along with it for whatever reason, right? I, which, yeah. in my opinion, is stupid. Um, and I've probably been there at one point or another, not going to BS it, but for, you know, in in our case for California, right. You're, you're, you're lucky if you see an elk tag once in your life. I mean, I'm loaded with points. I probably have three to four years before I see an elk hunt. So I've been chopping at Colorado this year. I was in Wyoming last year, but to go out, basically throw a, throw a dart at a map and say, okay, I'm going to try here, do as much e-scouting as you can. If you're in a position and you're lucky enough to go and scout, you know, before season, um, you don't know what, what that's going to be, you know, come September. Um, 
it, it, it makes sense for a guy to go on a guided hunt, go on a private land hunt, um, to ensure that, you know, you're going to be in animals. Um, and for me, I don't, I, I don't necessarily get the stigma, man. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, that honestly seems to be getting worse for some reason, but I, you know, I don't see anything wrong with really hunting private property as long as, you know, it's a CWMU and or an outfitter and you've got permission to hunt on their property, then, you know, those animals, they aren't just sticking on that private property the whole time. Most of them are low fence and they can roam wherever they want. And I, I mean, I've seen it firsthand deer that have been on public and, you know, after a week they're on private and they go back to public and, you know, it, it, those deer, they're, they're, I mean, the animals are still wild, you know, you're just getting away from the people. And that is one of the main things is that anyone should be trying to do, whether you just hunt private or just hunt public or both is getting away from the people. And if you get away from the people, you're going to have a better chance of getting into the animals. So to me, you know, if you're, that's something you really want, then you're going to do what it takes to do it. And, um, you know, getting on to the private property is something that you might have to do and something you should think about if you are serious about, you know, being successful. So, yeah, I, I don't get a lot of the, some of the stuff that comes up and the social media stuff, you know, I, some people, they like to just think that you can, you're only, you're only, uh, a great hunter if you're killing big deer, big bulls every single year. But, you know, to me, I, I've shot deer just cause I think they look cool, you know, and that's not necessarily what it's all about. And, you know, it's, it's, it's mostly about, you know, filling your freezer and, and having fun and the horns or the antlers are just a bonus, you know, and there's so, just, and I'll qualify our, our, our talk, our conversation on this, right? There is nothing wrong with wanting to have that, that 200 inch muley or, you know, that, that 360, 380 elk, absolutely nothing wrong with it. Right. Um, no, no, there's nothing wrong with that at all. I mean, but, that's but, what I'm after. Yeah. You know, it's a standard that we set for ourselves, but to have that be the qualifying factor like you know oh i did it and i get it right there is something that that is to be said about going out throwing that dart at the map you know beating out whatever whatever your deal is right a mile or or 15 miles in and you know doing that pack out and saying that hey we got it done there there's definitely something to that i love it um but none of that really like you said it doesn't it doesn't make or break the hunt uh, unless that thing is leashed up or, you know, it's five o'clock and they know it's five and the, and the corn feeder is about to spin and they're walking up to it at five and you're sitting there ready, you know, ready to ambush. Uh, absolutely nothing wrong with it. I, I think it would add to a more enjoyable experience uh, because you're getting out there, you're learning from the guide, right, that has the experience in that area. You could take that down that down the road for years and years and years fall back on those lessons and you better yourself for the, t for the times that you're able to go and throw that dart. 
No, I, absolutely. Yeah. I think, I think every, every hunting experience you have, no matter private land, public, you know, no matter if you shot a fork at horn or a 200 inch buck, you're going to learn from that experience and keep learning. And, you know, that's, that's something that, that everybody should really focus on is, you know, what can I learn this year? Or what can I, what can I learn from this hunt? Or, you know, what can I learn from my summer scouting and, you know, just things like that. And it doesn't matter if you, you know, you might, you might be a first year hunter and just getting into it and decide you want to go on an outfitted hunt. And, you know, honestly, you're going to learn from guys that have hunted for years and that's all they do. So, I mean, you're learning from some of the best people out there on, on what you need to do to be successful when you're out in the field by yourself. So, and I I don't think there's anything wrong with that at all. We have this weird standard that's set and I'm not sure where it's set at, but uh, I find it more and more disgusting. (laughs) I don't know the word I'm looking for. (laughs) It, It just distracts you from what it really is about right with all that bs right yeah it, it definitely it can be distracting for sure you know letting letting things on social media influence you to you know oh, i gotta do this or you know i mean i'm not gonna i'm not gonna do anything unless i i'm not gonna kill a deer unless it's 200 inch deer or, you know it, it it definitely is distracting a lot of it is and that's part of the great thing about being out out in the mountain all the time is you don't have service <laughs> and <laughs> you don't have to deal with any of it. So, so uh, what's the what's the Utah outlook, man? How's it looking? No, it's 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 looking pretty good here in Utah. I'm there's still quite a bit on uh, snow on the tops and spots. Um, you can't get out to the places, some of the places I like to go just yet, but the places I can get to, you know, I've, I've seen some pretty good deer. I saw, I saw a buck last night that was a pretty good buck and it was, I wish I could have got my phone out. It was actually on just right off the side of the road and I couldn't believe how wide it was already. It was already out past its ears and, uh, starting to go up and you know seen some good bulls and some trail cameras and uh my uncles had um bear tags this spring so i got to you know i was looking for bears finding elk and saw some some elk that i think are going to turn into something pretty pretty serious so things are looking pretty good here in utah for the most part there's there's tons of water there's tons of feed um up where I go for the deer hunt, I mean, it's as green and the grass is as tall as I've seen it in a while. So things are looking pretty good so far, you know, and as long as we keep getting some storms through the summer and things stay green and there's not fires like there was last year, we should be in pretty good shape for this, this upcoming season. So I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. You know, I have a hard time thinking about anything else. <laughs> <laughs> what, uh, so what does Utah have? So say, you know, somebody goes, oh, I didn't, re-, you know, didn't think about Utah. Is there any over-the-counter opportunities left after that draw? I think that draw happened, it seems like a month ago 
at least. Yeah, the the draw came out, the draw results for the end of May. And uh, I think the leftover, there's some leftover tags for um, like archery hunts and youth hunters. And uh, so if you're, you know, the youth, anyone under 18, they can get one of those tags. And I believe it's the first part of July, those tags go on sale. And it's just first come, first serve, and some of them go, I mean, super quick, and others, and others, you know, they're there for a while. But so there's those those opportunities for deer, and then um, for elk, you've got your uh, there's archery hunts for cows and spikes. There's muzzleloader for cows and spikes and rifle hunts too. So. Um, there's those, and then there's so many bull units for, you know, archery, muzzleloader, and rifle that you can get, and those are some tough hunts, but, um, you know, if you're just looking to get out and go see what you can find, then I absolutely recommend them. You know, you see some great country here in Utah, like the, uh, the, the Uenas, um, on the northeast side of the state, that's an art, uh, any bull unit. And, you know, it's, it's kind of packing in type, type stuff. And, um, you know, you can have some fun doing it and you might not see a bunch cause there's a ton of people, but you know, you, I'm sure you can still have some fun doing it. And, uh, those, all those licenses come out in July and they're all first come first serve. But I, I think it's, it's like, oh, I want to say. I mean, it's thousands of tags they sell for those elk hunts, the spike hunts, the cow hunts. Um, there's archery, archery cows, cow elk, you can buy over the counter. But the other archery tags for rifle and muzzleloader are, um, you had to apply for those to be the end of May, and that draws over already. Um, I think the draw results come out in a week or two for that, but there is also private land only cow hunts, which is basically a unit units throughout the state, but you have to be on private land when you kill your cow. So there's those two. And if you can get into some private property, then you, I mean, I, I had one of those licenses last year, like I said, and I killed one. And I saw elk all the time, but I just, I was, I was pretty picky about where I shot one. And I, I mean, the one I shot it literally, I was at work and, uh, I'm in construction, but, um, saw the elk. And from the time I left the seat of the track, to the time I got back in the seat of the track, it took exactly an hour. So there's the, <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, that was, it was a fast one. That, you know what though? That's living the life, man. When you can, when you can be sitting there, you know, swinging that dirt man on that hoe and, uh, jump off, go, go tagging a cow and then jump back on, never miss a beat, man. Oh yeah. It was awesome. I mean, I had that thing shot, gutted in the back of the truck and back in working within an hour. So it was, it was pretty nice. No, yeah. So I mean, there's there's those hunts too, and you know you can have some fun on those hunts. The hard part's just just trying to find some private property to hunt on, 
Um, but you know, a lot of people, if you, especially if you can find like places in rural Utah, the farmers, you know, they, they're sick of the elk getting into their hay. So a lot of the times if you, you know, if you ask nice and if you even offer to do something, they'll let you, let you come hunt. So that's, that's one way to get into that. But other than that here in Utah, that's, that's all there is. That's if you it. didn't put it in, you missed it. Yeah. But that's, I mean, really though, that's some good opportunity, right? Especially you start talking about, you know, spike, um, or cow hunts, uh, especially for a guy that just, that just wants to go harvest an animal, um, you know, meat in the freezer, whatever it is, that's really good over the counter opportunity. Oh, absolutely. And you know, those, the spike hunt, like I said, is, is one of my favorite hunts here in Utah. And, you know, you, you get to see the bulls are still bugling. It's, it's early October and, uh, you still get to see the big bulls, you see cows and then, you know, eventually usually run into a spike or two and, and then you get to fill your freezer after that. That's a goofy little animal, man. It's a, it, it amazes me when you watch when you watch those spikes come up. Just all the curiosity in the world, man. It, it, it's almost a different. It's a different animal uh, when they start branching. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. They might as well. I mean they they don't act like a a bull or anything, and they're usually in there with the cows. And yeah, it's. Crack me up, man. I call them goofy little spikes. <laughs> they are pretty goofy sometimes. <laughs> Some of them are just the awkwardest looking little things. You know, oh, yeah. they're not a small animal, right? Anyway, but to see this little oh, curious no. thing, you know, come up and eyeball you like what's going on and just kind of learning it. And it's like, man, in a few years, you're going to be five or six, you know, screaming, yelling and just, you know majestic and ugly how are you so goofy right now it just cracks me up oh yeah oh yeah yeah i think it, it doesn't take long and they're they're starting to get after it maybe a year or two and they they're starting to bugle and yeah they you know they almost act like cows yeah they're, they, you know so yeah we we, we Another thing that I glassed over and I'm curious, man, is, is to talk about the horses, um, when you're taking, when you're packing in on the horses. So for me, you know, I haven't had that experience yet. And I see, you know, you see horses, you see llamas, um, even see goats. And then a buddy of mine was telling me, yeah, I think people are using dogs now. And I'm like, yeah, that (laughs) doesn't surprise me. Oh yeah, I've seen. I just barely saw the dog vest. It kind of made kind of made me laugh. So, so I mean, so with the horses, the horses seem like a really cool experience, especially if you you know you're packing in deep. Um, you know, you ride horseback. You got some help getting you know a decent sized camp in and out, getting your meat in and out, uh, or excuse me, getting your meat out. Um, that seems like a, I don't know, kind of a like a dream experience, right? But there's a level of work that goes into packing those horses. How does that affect a hunt? Say if you're, you know, if you're on a hunt yourself, cause you got to water the horse, feed the horse time. Yeah. So it, I mean, it, it depends on where you're at. Like when we go into Wyoming, we camp in a spot that has a, a big meadow and it's surrounded by pretty thick 
pine trees. So we just turn the horses out in there. But like here in Utah, you know, I, I put up high lines so the horses can, and they can feed throughout the day and not take off. And, uh, you know, and then you can hobble them, but it, it still, it hinders you a little bit, you know, cause you can't just go, go wherever you need to find a place where, you know, they can feed unless, unless you want to pack in feed for them. And that just kind of gets to be a pain because you're making more than one trip. I mean, you're packing in your camp and then you got to go get feed. Um, but if, you know, I, I think that the, the benefits of them are outweigh the, the negatives of them for me anyway, you know, I'm sure there's people out there that'll disagree with me, but they definitely, um, have their benefits to, uh, you know, like you said, packing out your game and, you know, you pack into your camp, you got a big wall tent and cots and tables and, you know, it's, it's almost glamping at that point. But, uh, um, you know, there, there is some downfalls, you know, you get horses that get hurt and you got to take care of them and, you know, they might throw a shoe and you got to find a way to put a shoe back on them up there in the middle of nowhere. You don't have all your tools and you're trying to, you know, I've, I've had to pound a shoe flat on a rock before just to get it to go back on. And, um, so, I mean, they're definitely an extra step into, you know, some work and, you know, you can't, you can't necessarily be out all day long. You got to go back because usually like we bring, um, say there's, you know, three of us going, well, we're taking at least six to eight horses. That way you can rotate horses out, but then you still got to go back and take care of the horses you left and make sure they get a drink and get something to eat and then you can switch horses. But, um, they, they definitely have, have their benefits and their disadvantages, but every, every time I've had them, they've, they've definitely been, been very useful, especially on elk hunts, you know, instead of having to make a few trips by yourself. I mean, you got two horses, you're making one trip. That's it. So, um, and deer, deer, a horse can pack out two, two quarter deer pretty easy. And, uh, so, I mean, they, like I said, they definitely have their benefits and, and you're not doing quite as much hiking and not putting so much wear and tear on your body, but you know, the horses, some people just, you know, will ride, but we like to just ride to a certain spot and get off and, and then hike from there and try to not make as much noise as we can with them. But, uh, yeah, I, I really enjoy it. And I, I, I think people, especially, you know, from back East would, would think that that would be pretty awesome to pack in on, on horses and do some hunts like that. So. Yeah. It seems like a cool experience, man. Yeah. It's, it's, it is, it's pretty fun. I mean, I, I probably take it for granted a little bit cause I've, I've done it my whole life with horses. So it is fun though in some of those remote areas i mean the ground you can cover um in a fraction of the time on horseback is is what kind of appeals to me no absolutely and i mean and like i said it's not putting as much wear and tear on your body and the horse is doing the majority of the work for you to a point and you can you you can cover a lot of country i mean something that would take 
you all day to hike in and pack in your camp. You can pack in, uh, um, on horses and half the time and four times as much the gear. Mm-hmm. You ever have one get away when you're, when you're out there? <laughs> well, we usually, uh, have some in Wyoming. when it's happened a couple times in Wyoming, um, in Wyoming, we had a couple that decided it was time to go home and they were, at, they were in hobbles and they made it, you know, a couple miles down the trail and we had to go catch them. And this last year in Colorado, we had them in a corral and they got out and decided they were hungry, but they were pretty easy to catch that time. Luckily, they didn't go too far. So yeah, it, it happens sometimes. Sometimes they get away from you and sometimes you have some rodeos of sorts, but for the most part, we, we've got some pretty good horses that are pretty calm and, and can pack and pretty much anybody can ride them. So it, it does, they do pretty good for the most part. Yeah. I talked to, uh, Shay Tompkins of, uh, she was, uh, big nine outfitters. And, uh, uh-huh. she was telling, she was telling me that she had a, uh, I, th- I want to say she said a five hour pack out because a horse decided to untie itself and, and head back in. And, uh, <laughs> she said five hours and I was like, Oh man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, uh, it's not fun when they get away from you. I know that. <laughs> That's the, that was one of the reasons I asked. I, I, to me, it seems like a cool experience, man. The the goats, oh, yeah. the goats and the llamas, I could see it. Uh, I think goats are cool animals. Um, uh, yeah, I just don't. It just seems like a lot. I guess because I've never done it, I, I've never had to deal with it. It seems like a lot more effort. Um, and maybe that's a selfish thing, right? Looking at you know, looking at focusing on the hunt um, and not uh, not wanting to worry about anything else. Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, you're definitely putting in more work to stuff, but you know, at the same time um, you're getting, oh, sorry about that. Oh, no, no worries. Yeah. You're getting other benefits to it. So it's, uh, it definitely helps for the most part. I have to leave that. I'll leave that to the guides, man. (laughs) Yeah. So what do you have, uh, what do you have for the 2019 season, man? What do you, what do you, first off, what are you looking at for yourself as far as tags and hunts? Oh, I, I've got a pretty busy year for myself lined up already, which kind of, it's good, but at the same time, it kind of sucks. But, uh, I, uh, drew out for Wyoming. I just found that out last week and, uh, that hunts in September. And then I'll probably end up drawing a, cow tag here in utah and um i drew a colorado tag a third season colorado tag for november and uh, i drew a general deer tag and my wife actually drew a cactus buck only tag for the poncegant and that one's in november and then i the one i'm the most excited about is i drew a buffalo tag on the henry's so i'm pretty excited for that one but that one's at the end of january or the end of december 
so I'm I'm pretty pumped for that one, even though it's six months away. But I've been doing all kinds of research on buffalo already, so I'm I'm pretty excited about that one. Yeah, you're gonna pop, man. Six months getting that kind of tag. I mean, that's you know, that's a a once in a lifetime there, man. Unless you're you know oh. on private land and and spending that money. Yeah, it is. It's a once in a lifetime tag, and and believe it or not, I drew that tag with three points. I, yeah, I had no no intention on drawing that till I was I was a little older. So yeah, three points and. I'm pretty excited for that one. I've been trying to find some time to make a trip down there to kind of get a little bit better lay of the land. And, but I don't know if that'll happen anytime soon with all these other hunts I got going on. So, man, that's awesome. Shoot. Bison hunt. Yeah. On three yeah. points, man. It, it could happen to any of us. You know, sometimes you don't put in for those hunts because you're like, oh, I'm not going to draw. Oh, I'm not going to draw. And you put it off and you put it off three points. <laughs> yeah, three three points. That's it. I've I've had my wife, when she drew her big bull tag here for the Manti, she had, she had four points. And it usually takes 12 to draw that one. And then I had a cousin. It was his first year hunting. And he he drew out with zero points for the late season late season tag so it 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 you just got to get your name in that hat and that's all that matters so i i don't understand people that just buy bonus points sometimes sometimes i think you gotta you gotta just put in for it if you don't draw you're gonna get a point anyway so so how do uh how do folks, man, if they if they want to look you up and get out there with you, usually as a as a guide, how do they do? Um, Instagram's probably one of the best ways. It's just at Relentless Guides, and uh, or you can email me. It's relentlessguides at gmail dot com, and I believe my phone number is on my Instagram, and um, that's pretty much the best way to get a hold of me is email or that. And, you know, any outfitter you talk to, they can just ask for me and I'm sure somebody will find a way to get a hold of me. So, so I do a little conservation quick, man, just a one to two minute spiel on, on conservation and uh, your view on it. So why don't you hit us with that, man? Uh, I actually been doing a lot of thinking about that now that you, once I got your email, but um, I think, I think some of the biggest conservation we can do is, is getting like youth and, and people that haven't hunted out, out to hunt. Um, and sometimes that's a little tough to do, just trying to get them to think, you know, convince people to come hunting with you and to go out and try it when they've never done it before. Or their family doesn't hunt, but, um, there's, there's definitely lots of people out there that I think will, that will, take first time hunters out there. I mean, I'll, I, I would be willing to take first time hunters out and I have, and I think, you know, if, if we want to keep enjoying the hunting we're doing and the public lands we hunt on and, and you know, the more hunters, the better. And even though that stings a little bit to say <laughs> with, you know, with, with point creep and all that other stuff, I definitely think that, you know, you're, 
we're stronger as a group with the more people we have and the more, and especially if you can take somebody out and teach them, you know, ethics and, and, you know, what shots to take and not to take and, and actually put a good name to hunting instead of, you know, somebody that, you know, might not be being the most ethical, you know, I, I definitely think that it's, it's something that if, if we want to keep hunting, it's, it's something that needs to happen. So, and, uh, there's a, there's a guy on Instagram. I don't know if you follow him or not, but it's Nimrod outdoors. And he actually is trying to get a program going to take out youth hunters that have never hunted before. Cause here in Utah, you can use your tag for, um, uh, like if, if a youth that didn't draw, you can let them use your tag and they can, harvest a deer on your tag and he does he's trying to get a program going that's um it's called hunt mentor and i've been talking to him a bunch about that and trying to help him out trying to find some mentors and i think he has a, an excellent idea and that's and i agree with him 100 percent that i think that you know getting getting youth into the field and and especially i think you know, cause the majority of hunters are, are older guys and women. And I think, you know, from twenties and below, and I think getting those people out in the field and getting to experience it is something that really needs to happen more. So that is, that's my opinion on it. Okay. Yeah. Well, that's a good one, man. I a hundred percent agree, man. <laughs> and like you said, yeah, it's kind of a, kind of a conflict there more more folks out there. Um, but yeah, absolutely, absolutely a necessary, uh, a necessary thing, man. If we want to see this continue. Yeah, absolutely. So anything in closing, man, any, anything you want to say before we, uh, hit the stop button here? Um, just thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. And, um, yeah, if you, any of you out there want to do some hunting here in Utah, just relentless guides and, we can see what we can make happen. Perfect, man. So, well, I uh, greatly appreciate your time, man, and uh, keep us posted on how that season's going. And uh, yeah, let's build that uh, build that clientele, man. Okay, absolutely. You can catch up with Jordan and Relentless Guides on Instagram at Relentless Guides. Thank you for listening. Follow and tag us on Instagram at Western Contours. Jump on iTunes, Google Play, and Podbean. Subscribe, leave us a comment, and don't forget to hit that five-star rating. We appreciate the support, and until next time, lay them down.